Masechet Nazir Daf Kaf Tet. This Daf has a beautiful structure. Uh, we're going to bring a Machloket and then seven challenges to one side of the Machloket. And after that, we're going to try to line up this Machloket Amoraim with uh, Machloket Tanaim and discuss that Machloket Tanaim a little further. All right. The topic is what the, we already introduced in the Mishnah, which is that a father has a right to impose a nazirut vow on his son, right? You could say, my son, you are going to be a nazir. Of course, the son or one of the relatives can object and then he won't be a nazir. Uh, the Gemara and the, and, but a mother cannot do so for her son and also neither can do so for a daughter. A woman, of course, can be nazirat, but a daughter, it cannot be impo- imposed upon. So we're going to wonder, what is the reason for this? Ish in aval isha la maitama. How come a father can impose a nezirut on his son, but a mother cannot? Two opinions. Rabbi Yochanan Amar Halachahi ben Nazir. Rabbi Yochanan says it's a halacha. It's simply a tradition. This is now the second time Rabbi Yochanan said this. We already saw this. In a previous sugya, Rabbi Yochanan says it's a tradition, it's part of the oral law. Uh, whereas Rabbi Yoseh be Rabbi Hanina, Amar Eshtakish, Kedele Hanecho be Misvot. It's important to remember this uh, tradent. It's Rabbi Yoseh Berbi Hanina. He said this in the name of Resh Lakish, the colleague of Rabbi Yochanan, and says, no, the reason why a father can impose Nezirut on his son is not a Deoraita law, it's not a, an oral law from Moshe that would have the authority, a similar, uh, a similar uh, authority as a Deoraita law. Rather, it's a Zerabanan in order that a father should teach his, his son mitzvot. By being a Nazir, the son will learn how to keep away from prohibitions, how to be careful, and uh, this could be good training, good discipline for the son. So this, if a father thinks that um, uh, that learn, being a Nazir is good for him, then that's why a father can impose it on his minor son. Okay, now, uh, now that we have these two opinions, let's try to figure out. This is going to be the first of seven questions we're going to ask about Resh Lakish, which is, if you say it's in order to educate the child, then how come a mother does not, cannot make her son a, nizi, uh, a, a nazir? We understand according to the Biochanan. According to Biochanan, since this is an oral tradition, that's it. The oral tradition is predefined. You can't, there's no point in asking why. That's just the way it is. The oral tradition says a father can do this and not, and not a mother. But according to Reshakish, who gives a reason, rational reason, why the rabbis decided to do this, well, uh, just like a father has to teach a son, doesn't a mother also have an obligation to teach her son? And the answer is, So no, only a father has a commandment to teach his son. He is absolutely commanded to teach his son various things. Uh, whereas a woman, of course, a mother uh, is uh, obviously doing a lot of important things and can also teach her son, but she is not obligated as a mitzvah to teach her son in the area of Torah and uh, and discipline. And so therefore, she, the rabbis, did not give her, the mother, the authority to make her minor son a nazir, only gave that to the father. Uh, incidentally, in the upcoming answers, 
for Resh Lakish, we're going to see a lot of rulings that we don't follow uh, for halacha. And uh, this is, in fact, uh, one of them. There's a machloket about uh, whether a mother has, is obligated to, uh, uh, to, uh, to educating her son. Okay. Second question. We understand according to the Biochanan, since it's simply an oral tradition from Sinai. So that the father can make his minor son a Nazir. That's I'm saying minor. We're going to see the exact age uh, in, the, in the second half of the uh, of this stuff. Um, so that's the reason why it only applies to a son, but not a daughter. But according to the Shakish, it should be a daughter also. Don't you have to teach? Don't you have to teach a daughter? Don't you have to train her in doing mitzvot in self-discipline? So how come a father cannot make his daughter a nizira? And the answer is Kasavar Beno Chayav Lechanecho Bito Eno Chayav Lechanecha. Reshakish thinks that a father has to teach his son. You have to teach his son Torah and various things, but he is not obligated to teach his daughter. All right. So therefore, since there's no obligation, obviously he's going to teach his daughter. You have to teach your daughter misfot that she's going to have to know how to do. But in this more expanded definition of uh, of uh, education, is not obligated, and therefore the rabbis did not. Um, uh, create a possibility of nizirut, a dirabanan nizirut, just for education, uh, for a daughter. All right, Bishlama, third question. Now, this halacha we just said is only that a father can impose a nizirut obligation on his minor son. So it makes sense if it's an oral tradition, then that's why it works for a nizirut, but um, not other vows. A father cannot make a, a different kind of vow. I impose a vow on my minor son that he should not eat sugar. Um, no, you can't do that. And what's the difference? Well, that's a halacha, uh, oral tradition. So there's no, um, that's what it says. So there's no point in asking questions about it. But according to the shakish, if it's for education, so maybe a father says, oh, I need to educate my son. And he's, um, uh, he's uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd of friends. So I make a nether. You can't go to that guy's house. Uh, he's a bad influence, right? Or, uh, or whatever it is. So it should, or you have to, uh, want to make sure that you uh, take a nether. You're going to study a Mishnah every day. So according to the Shakish, what's the difference? If it's for Chinuch, um, a father should be able to impose Midrabanan, a vow, another kind of vow, not only Nezirut. And the answer is, you're right. A father can do that according to the Shakish. Lami Bayakamat. And the Mishnah didn't mention it. Mishnah only mentioned Nezirut because it's obvious that other Nedarim. Lami Bayamidarim delet le nivul, ela afilo benzirut, teit le nivul, afilo hachi, chayav lechanecho. Not only regarding a Neder, where there is no degradation. See, for Nezirut, person's going to grow his hair long and going to look all disheveled and so there is degradation and so I might think that uh, so and and there uh, a father can impose it on the son anyway so surely I don't even need to say that when there's no degradation like if a father says I want to make sure you don't uh, hang out with uh, that friend who's uh, who's a hoodlum I want to make sure that you um, don't uh, um, do something dangerous or that you study Mishnah every day. 
Um, so this is not is no degradation in that, and uh, so certainly that father can do that, and so all the more so to make him a nazir. So so, uh, uh, so that's for sure he can. The chidush is that the father can even make the son a nazir in which there is degradation uh, because that is part of his education. All right, good. So we've solved that. Fourth question. According to Yochanan, that says it's simply an oral tradition. So part of the oral tradition built into it is that he, he himself, the boy, or another relative can object and say, no, we don't like that you're making this boy a nazir, and uh, so we, we stop it. And then they can shave him, and he's not a nazir anymore. All right, that's just part of the law. But according to the name of Rashakish, who said, it's a Darabanan that made it for rational reasons, for education. So do the other relatives, some uncle or whatever, have, have the right, have the power to go and say, no, you should not teach your son mitzvot? If the father thinks this is a proper education for my son, what, what does anybody else have a right? If a father says, I'm going to send my kid to this school, to this yeshiva. So someone, other relative, has a right to say, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, you shouldn't te- train him in misvot. The father says, I'm going to right, uh, teach my son how to put on tefillin. So a- a- another another person, so another relative, say, no, you can't do that. What right would they have? So according to the Shakish, why does a relative have a right to object? And the answer is, If you have a type of education, a manner of education, that is not important uh, because uh, it's, not, it's not an obligation like tefillin or, or like studying Torah. Uh, this is something that's an optional thing and it's not considered important and therefore uh, it's not going to be uh, good, amenable for the, for the kid to be educated in that way. And therefore the son says, what is this? My father's making me, making me be a nazir, right? None of my friends are doing this. It's not obligated according to the Torah, right? This is not the best way. Or some uncle or cousin can come and, t- and say, what are you, why, are you, why are you making your son a nazir, making him go through all this... Uh, all this trouble, this is not, he doesn't need, he doesn't need this. Instead, teach him Perashat HaShavuah, teach him some Mishnah, right? Um, um, teach him, go do a Chesed trip with the, with the kid. Teach him things in that way. That's a, that's a more important way. Uh, so therefore, yeah, while some kids might benefit from being a Nazir, and if the father and all the relatives and the son says, yeah, you're right, it's a good idea, I'm going to be a Nazir, fine, you can do it. But since it's um, uh, an optional and um, not generally uh, necessary, important for kids' education, that's why the rabbis gave this out that um, a relative or the kid himself can object. All right, fifth challenge. Bishlama l'Rabbi Yochanan Damar Halachahi ben Nazir Mishum Hachi Megalech Ve'Aved Hakafa. At the end of a nizirut, um, the nazir has to shave his head entirely. Now, generally, it's prohibited for a man to shave his sideburns and temples, and by shaving all his entire head, that's also shaving, um, uh, that, that's also shaving the corners of his head. And now, this is generally prohibited for a person to just go and uh, shave his uh, shave his sideburns. However, a nazir, if he's really a nazir, 
is an exception. And the Torah says, Torah says you have to shave your head, so therefore it's permitted. Torah permits shaving head of a Nazir. But that's only if a person is actually a Nazir, Medeoraita. So we understand, according to Biochanan, this is the this is the oral law. Yes, this boy is a Nazir at a Deoraita level. It doesn't have to be written in the Torah to be a Deoraita level obligation. It's part of the oral tradition, so it has the same authority. However, according to Resh Lakish, who say the rabbis came up with this, um, this Nizirut de Rabbanan. So, all right, so now this boy, when he comes to the end of the Nizirut, he's going to shave his head and he's going to violate a Deoraita law. What right do the rabbis have to create a Nizirut that's going to end up violating a Deoraita law? It's, part, it's all part of the question. To teach him mitzvot, you're going to make him violate a biblical commandment and round out his head. Uh, round out. They mean because uh, one of the styles of, uh, of, of uh, uh, idol worshippers was to make a, uh, a, a haircut where it was uh, round, like, uh, kind of like monks. Uh, you might see today, uh, kind of looks like a kippah, but made out of hair. So that there's a straight line above the person's ears all the way to the back. Uh, so you're going to violate a Doraita law in order to educate the kid? That doesn't make sense. And the answer is, Reshakish thinks that shaving one's entire head is prohibited, but only midrabanan. The Oraita law is if one uh, if one shaves and makes a circle haircut like the like the priests do. Um, if one only shaves the the uh, sideburns and the temples and makes that kind of haircut, that's a prohibited Oraita. But if you're not making that hair that kind of haircut and you're shaving your entire head to be totally bald, which is what Nazir and what a Nazir has to do. That's only prohibited midrabanan. And therefore, since educating a child is drabanan in the first place, and the rabbis are the ones that said, don't shave your entire head, so the rabbis can um, uh, uh, override the prohibition of shaving an entire head with a commandment to be a nazir for a child for the sake of education. And so, yeah, there you go. It is, it is okay. All right, bishlama. Sixth question, We understand according to the Biochanan, since it's an oral tradition, so it's like a Deoraita, so when this boy finishes the Nezirut, he's going to have to bring his three Korbanot. Now, Shilamim and Ola, anyone can bring any time as a voluntary offering. But the thing is, what about the Korban Chatat, right? We know that you can only bring a Korban Chatat if you're obligated to. If one is not obligated to bring Korban Chatat and he consecrates it and brings it, the consecration is not a consecration because there's no obligation for Korban Chatat. You're going to bring it to the, to the Bet HaMikdash and you violate bringing Chulin, a secular, non-sacred animal, into the temple courtyard and slaughtering it and eating it. This is a prohibition. So according to Biochanan, that's fine. He's a real Nazir. Deoraita Nazir, so he has to bring the Korban. According to the Shakish, this is only the Rabbanan Nazirut. Well, fine, you want to not drink wine, okay, you're not violating anything, but now you're going to bring a Korban Hatat that on Deoraita level is not a Hatat, it's just a regular animal. You're bringing it into the Azara, slaughtering it, slaughtering it. Now you're violating a Deoraita, aren't you? 
And the answer is Kasavat Cholin Bazara Lav Deoraita. No, Rishakish thinks that bringing a non-sacred animal into the into the Bet Hamikdash, slaughtering it is only a sur midrabanan, and therefore. The rabbis can override their own drabanan uh, with a drabanan for the sake of uh, um, for the sake of education. All right, seventh and final question. According to Biochanan, if uh, this a boy whose father made him a Nazir, becomes Tameh in the middle. Just like any Nazir, they would have to bring two birds um, for uh, Ola and Hatat. Now, so according to the Biochanan, we understand this person is going to bring a Korban of birds and the Kohen, well, when, whenever, uh, usually when we eat a reg- uh, uh, birds like we do today, we do Shechita with a little knife. Um, uh, in, in the normal way. However, in the Bet HaMikdash, whenever they killed a bird, they didn't slaughter it with shechita and a knife, but rather, as we have the picture here, uh, let's see this fancy technique, the Kohen would have a long thumbnail and would hold the bird and he would uh, pinch uh, the bird in the back of its, necks, of its neck and cut the bird's neck from the back and, uh, and sever uh, it's uh, it's windpipe um, uh, from this way, and so um, it, this is this is called milika. Now the in the bet mikdash, this is the way you have to kill a bird, and uh, the bird is kosher. The kohanim can eat the bird when done in this way. However, if now outside the bet mikdash, uh, someone would uh, slaughter a bird in this way, doing milika, it would be called nevela, right? It would be not kosher, not slaughtered properly. So you see that if it's a real korban, then you can bring it this way. That's all fine. But if you're not really a nazir and you're going to take uh, go and slaughter a bird this way, then this is a problem. Now the uh, Kohanim who are eating this bird are eating nevela because it's not really needed to bring this korban. So what are you going to do with that? For Kfresh Lakish is fine because he is a Nazir on the Doraita level. And the answer is Kasabar Kirbi Yoseb Ribi Yuda de En Shechita Laof Min Hatora Vechulin Bazara Lav de Oraita. Oh, must be that Reshakish follows the opinion of Ribi Yose, uh, the son of Ribi Yuda, who says that the, the requirement for Shechita with a knife at the front of the neck for a bird is not the Oraita, it's only the Rabbanan, which is quite an amazing chidush, because we, you know, we require shechita, but according to him, you know, look, fish don't need shechita, um, even though the Dead Sea sect did think that fish require shechita, you have to drain the blood, and you can't have the blood, you have to salt it, and all that, um, but uh, the rabbis didn't think so, they say birds do not, re- say they say fish do not require shechita, and according to this, on the Deoraita level, even birds would not require shechita, they'd be like fish, only the Rabbanan, they said, well, fish are kind of like animals, so uh, we should require, the, require it. Therefore, in the Bet Mikdash, if they do melika for a korban, that's not really a korban, so, all right, midrabanan, it's nevela, but only midrabanan, and therefore the rabbis can override that for the sake of education. And Cholin, uh, also in the Azara, as we said in the previous uh, answer, is also not, uh, uh, is also not uh, uh, deoraita, 
And they, although there's two Drabanans here, okay, the rabbis can override also two Drabanans um, uh, for the sake of education. Okay, it's kind of curious for the sake of educating the kid, we're going to violate all these Drabanans. I don't know, you might be afraid he's going to learn the wrong, de, the wrong, wrong de, de Drabanan laws, but okay, I guess you explain it to the kid. And therefore, this is the end of the seven challenges to Reshakish. Um, uh, and um, uh, so he and we successfully answered all of the challenges. All right, now question. We attributed here to the Biyoseh B'Rabi that he says that Shechita and Chulin Ba'azara for, for a bird and having Chulin Ba'azara is not the Oraita. Now we're going to question, does he really think that? We're going to challenge it from a long Baraita. Does he really think so? Does he really think so? Baraita teaches in the name of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah, how do you know that a bird that's brought for a hatat and uh, some right some some sins you have to bring a hatat, a, a, a hatat from a bird and if you're not sure uh, if you did the sin or not then it's not eaten um, how do you know that because it says vazab lazachar lazachar since regarding a zav it says a male and female we're going to compare the two laws first of all um, when a male when a ma- a, per- a, a man uh, sins uh, by mistake he's going to bring a korban uh, when he knows that he surely did. And so too, a woman also has to bring korban. You don't really need a pasuk for this, but we know men and women are both chayavim uh, to bring a korban if they make sins that require, uh, inadvertently, that require such a thing. Now, and we also know that just like a man has, to, if he's not sure if he ate chaleb or not, he has to bring, in that case, not a korban hatat, hatat is if you're sure, but asham, asham talui, if I did it, uh, just in case, I, then he would bring that. So to women also bring asham talui. Now, and a man who sins, uh, who sins for sure, brings the same type of animal that he would bring as an asham. The chatat and asham are both different types of sheep, but they're both sheep. Um, uh, so too, af nekeba. Now, when we say nekeba, nekeba can uh, women can bring different types of animals depending on what the uh, case is. When we say nekeba, we mean something that is particular to a woman, meaning childbirth, a yoledet. Uh, although it's not a sin, so but for whatever reason, a yoledet has to bring a bird as a hatat. Now, that's if she definitely gave birth. Now, what's the case of a Yoledet that she's not sure if she gave birth or not? The answer is that a Yoledet has to bring a, sa- a Korban, not only if she gave birth a uh, full term, but even if she had a stillbirth uh, after 40 days of pregnancy, that's also considered a child and has, still has to bring the Korban. However, before 40 days, then it's not even considered a child yet. The Talmud says it's Maya Alma. Not, divor- not 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 developed. So therefore, if she's not sure if it's exactly before after 40 days, or she sees something but it's not formed, and so she's not sure what it is if she is a yoledet or not. 
In that case, if she's not sure, but it may be, then she can't bring Korban Chatat, because Korban Chatat is only if you are sure, sure that you made a sin, or sure that you're a Yoledet. But if unsure, then you bring a Korban Asham. Uh, Asham now would also be a bird. And so that's what we're learning here. Just like for a male, he brings the same type of animal for as a as a chatat and as an asham. So to an ekeva, a woman mean a, a woman for a, a yoledet will bring the same type, a bird, whether she is um, uh, whether she's sure or she's not sure if she is a yoledet. Okay, so that's the further comparison. Final comparison between male and female, and that will answer the question that we started with about eating the asham. Since now we're comparing them, we're on a roll. Let's compare them further. And just like if a, a male has to bring a korban asham, the, the kohanim eat it, right? Even though we're not sure if the person sinned or not, that's the whole point of an asham talui. You bring it and it's a valid korban and the kohanim eat part of it. Um, uh, um, um, as an asham, so too we should learn nekeva because the pasuk says zachar nekeva compare them. So if a yoledet has to bring a bird for a korban asham, so the kohanim should have to bring it, should ha- should be able to eat it. Marta uh, lo, but then in the in the Braita, the the same Braita rejects that the final comparison. The other comparisons are correct, but even though you might have thought that the final comparison is not correct because. You can't compare them with a zakhar, a male who sins and he's or not sure if he sinned. He brings an animal, a la- a sheep. And a sheep, if it's not, if you don't need to bring it, you only vi- would, would violate one thing, uh, which is um, bringing chulin la'azara. You see, shechita is the same, no matter whether it's a korban or not a korban. So this animal, you did shechita, it's a kosher shechita, and therefore it's a kosher, it's not nebelah, it's a kosher animal. So with the, there's only one chidush regarding the zakhar, that even though we're not sure if he sinned or not, and so therefore we might consider it chulin, to the, bring bringing cholin, a non-sacred animal, into the azara. Nevertheless, that's okay. Uh, the kohanim are allowed to eat it. But that's not necessarily true for the female offering of a yoledet, which is a bird, and therefore would have two prohibitions. Maishne surim, which two prohibitions? Lav isur nevela ve cholin ba'azara. One of them is the same as the sheep. Cholin ba'azara, it's non-sacred, you're bringing it in. But the other one is that's a nevela because... The Kohen did Melika and not Shechita. Therefore, the, if it's if you don't need to bring it, it's a Nevela. And since she's not sure if she needs to bring it or not, so therefore the conclusion is that if a, a Yoledet brings a bird offering as in Asham, the Kohanim cannot eat, cannot eat it. She has to bring it, but we're not sure. We don't want to violate two Deoraita laws. What's the point of this whole thing? That this is a challenge to what we said before, that we had some tradition that Rabbi Yoseh, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, thought that these two prohibitions are Dirabanan. And Rishakish relied on, we relied on that, to answer Reshakish's question. But according to this Baraita, it looks like both of these prohibitions are Deoraita. And only because it's Deoraita, that's why it outweighs 
um, uh, the uh, a male who only has one of the prohibitions. And uh, so we answer it. Ravacha is going to challenge this very assumption and by challenging the question, answering it. Maybe these two prohibitions are considered like a Deodaita. The reason why the this Badaita is saying, no, the Nekevash has two Isurim, really means that Rabbanan, but uh, a Kohen would not be able to eat the meat of the of the of a bird um, asham because it looks like it's two prohibitions even though it's only the rabbanan uh, this is two coming together so it seems more uh, and it is more more stringent and therefore the point is that you cannot compare the zakhar to nekeva nekeva has two even though you're right it's the rabbanan uh, but that still uh, puts it on a higher level which to the zakhar which did not have that extra the rabbanan and therefore, um, the Baraita is saying you can't necessarily compare them. All right, so we answered the question for Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, and uh, by, by doing that, we resolved all the seven questions against Resh Lakish. All right, now that we have Rabbi Yochanan and Resh Lakish, we're going to try to say maybe they are parallel, these Amoraim are parallel to a, a machloket between two Tanaim. Le maketana'e. Ad matay madir et beno benazir. Until what point can a father um, uh, make a vow on behalf of his son that his son will be a nazir? Right? What's the cutoff age? Um, if the kid's an adult, then the father has no right to make the son a nazir. We've never heard of such a thing. Um, so, what age uh, would it be? What is the cutoff point? According to the B, that's a biudahanasi, until the child has two hairs, two pubic hairs. That's the general um, age for bar mitzvah. We say 13, but in truth, it's at least 13. It's 13 and also two hairs. Nowadays, we just assume when a kid's 13, so then that's good enough. Um, but uh, really, and for this law, it will be 13 and two hairs. This is going to make a difference in the story that we're about to see. Okay, for now, we'll just say, call that 13. Uh, whereas Rabbi Yudah says, until he gets to the age of vows, meaning the age when the child himself can make a vow. Uh, that's around the age of 12. 12, you ask the child, do you know what a vow is? Do you know how serious it is? And the kid already at 12 can understand what that is and therefore can make his own vows and those will be binding vows. So once the the son can make a vow, then the father can no longer make a nizirut vow upon the child. So therefore the cutoff is uh, 12, right? Under 12, the, everyone agrees the father can make the kid a nazir, but between 12 and 13, uh, according to Rabbi, he the father still can until the kid's 13, but Rabbi Yosef says, no, you, he's not. He can make it, if he wants to be a nazir, he can make himself a nazir. Father cannot do it. All right, that would mean, according to Rabbi, that there is one year between 12 and 13 where either the son or the father could declare that they could declare him a nazir, right? Both, both of them would work. 
All right, that's also going to be important for a story that's coming up. So now let's see how we can line them up. My left Tanaehi did a be sabad halachahi ben azir, vafagav di yellow nut nedarim, madir lev azir laad, de maite shete saadot. Let's say that the bee. Uh, follows Rabbi Yochanan, who says this is an oral tradition. And there being an oral tradition, it can be anomalous. And even though the kid reached an age where the kid himself can make a vow and can make himself a nazir, and so you think that, well, once the son can do it himself, a father shouldn't be able to do it. It's an oral tradition. And therefore, the oral tradition is, yeah, a 13 is the cutoff, even though 12 would make more sense. So that, that would fit together. says, this is a Dirabanan law that's for education. And therefore, it's going to make sense. And um, uh, Rabbi is only going to do something if it has a good rationale. So until until a kid is 12, um, uh, then the father can do it in order to teach the kid about self-discipline and misvot. But once the kid is 12 and now is no is out of the supervision of the father, not totally out of the supervision, but the supervision, but at least in terms of being uh, responsible for their own uh, for their own obligations for their own vows. So now, if the son left the supervision of the father regarding vows, and the father should not be uh, uh, should not be allowed anymore to impose an izirut on his son. All right. So we, uh, we we line them up. Now lining them up has some logic, but we'd rather not lock in. Each of these Mora'im, according to only one Tanas, is that says, and says that he has to, Rabbi Yochanan has to only agree with Rabbi, we'd rather that they can explain themselves according to both. So we answer a couple of different possibilities. No, rather, um, everyone agrees that with Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan can explain both of them. And this is a, an oral tradition. And here, what they're arguing about is a mufla. Mufla means someone knowledgeable that is near being an adult, meaning someone between uh, 11 and 12, uh, sorry, between 12 and 13, right? Near, uh, you know, uh, uh, somewhat shy of being 13. Um, and uh, who makes a vow. And what is the status of that kid? If a kid at that age, right before 13, makes a vow, that vow, according to the B, is only valid on the Drabanan level. And therefore, the Deoraita, because according to the Biochanan, this oral tradition has the validity of a Deoraita, so the father's uh, imposition of a vow was going to override the son's own power to make a vow and that's why the father's uh, sticks right because the whole thing before 13 is only the rabbanan for the son Whereas Abiyose thinks that a kid up to thir- between 12 and 13 can make their own vows on the Deodaita level. And therefore, this oral tradition, right, would, uh, it, which is a truest Deodaita level, but a Deodaita would not have the power to override another Deodaita. And so, therefore, according to Abiyose, the father can only impose a vow up till 12. When a son cannot make his own nizi, uh, his own vows, but once it reaches twelve, the son is like an adult, full deoraita power, for the sake for the purpose of vows. So that's how Rabbi Yochanan can explain himself according to everybody. 
Vi betema, or another answer, Dekule ama kedelechanecho be misvot. We're all going to follow this shakish, and it's all derabanan. This whole law of a father making his son a nazir is only for education. Umuflas amuchliish derabanan hi. And everybody's going to assume also that the status of a vow for a 12 to 13 year old is only derabanan. Rabbi sabar atechinuch derabanan, vedache muflas amuchliish derabanan. Rabbi, who says a father can make a vow during that period, will say, well, it's true, the son's, uh, uh, the son's uh, ability to make a vow is only to the banan, and now the, the, um, the, the uh, uh, Rabbi thinks that the, the, um, the obligation to educate the child is also to the banan, and the banan can come and override the other to the banan, so that's why a father can impose said, no, it should be only until 12, because he thinks that the um, the Drabanan responsibility of education is Drabanan and will not override. There's already a Drabanan there that a child, uh, someone who is near almost uh, almost uh, an adult, right? He's already training himself, and he's uh, he can be responsible for vows, even though they're only obligated on him. Dirabanan, but a second dirabanan should not come and override the dirabanan that is already there, and that's how both Rashakish uh, can explain his own opinion according to both Tanaim. Okay, so in the end we say the Machloket Amoraim of here is not parallel to the one of Tanaim. But now that we mention this Machloket Tanaim, let's see if those two Tanaim, Rabbi and Rabbi Yoseb, Rabbi Yuda, match up with another controversy of two other Tanaim. Uh, all right, so let's see. Uh, so remember, we're talking about Rabbi who says that a father can, the cutoff point is, is 13. A father can impose a nizirut on his son until 13. And Rabbi Yoseb, Rabbi Uda, uh, said no, only until 12. So let's see if they match up with the two opinions in the following story. Detanya. One time, the father of Rabbi Hanina made a vow uh, imposed on his son, Rabbi Hanina, that Rabbi Hanina will be a Nazir. The father said so. Um, and then the father brings him, brings the son to Rabban Gamliel to figure out what to do, right? Is this valid? Is he old enough? Uh, young enough that he, the father can do this, or is he past the a, the cutoff age? He was right around that time. So the Bangam Liel began or wanted to examine the kid to see if he had two hairs and to see if uh, uh, to see if he's obligated. If the kid already has two hairs, then surely it's past the cutoff point. Right, so this is following the opinion of Rabbi. Uh, that once he's 13 with two heirs, then he's no longer, the father can no longer oppose, uh, impose it. Whereas if he doesn't have two hairs two hair yet, then the father can impose it. So Rabban Gamliel is about to do this examination, which as you can imagine, may be embarrassing for this kid. Um, now, Rabbi says, no, he wasn't checking for two hairs. That's incorrect. The, what the story goes, Rabban Gamaliel was checking to see if the kid reached the age at which he can make his own vows, which is around 12. But it's not exactly 12. You also have to interview the kid. Do you know what a vow is? Do you know the consequences of a vow? 
to see if he reached that age, around 12, where he can make a neder. Um, so you see that Rabbi Yoseh would, be, would fit with Rabbi Yoseh Berbi Yehuda, uh, who is looking, who says that Gamaliel wants to know, did he reach uh, 12 plus, and then the father no longer has the obligation, or not yet, in which the father, uh, the father can impose the nezirut. All right, either way, whatever the examination was about to be, Amar uh, law the the kid Rabbi Chanina says Rabbi Al Tistael Lebod Kani Im Katan Ani Ehiyeh Bishpil Abba Im Gadol Ani Ehiyeh Bishpil Atzmi and Rabbi Chanina said he was only kid wasn't rabbi yet um, he said um, and he said to Rabbi Gamliel says Rabbi don't bother examining me it's okay right you don't have to go through with it I'll be a nazir anyway if I am a child minor. Then I'll be I'll be a nazir because my father made the vow, and if I'm an adult, then I'll do it on my own. I'll um, uh, obligate myself as a vow, which I have a right to do, and so therefore it doesn't matter uh, whether I passed that point or not, whatever it is, thirteen or twelve. Gamliel kissed him on his head and says, "I am sure that this." This child will be teaching laws in Israel very soon. And they say, sure enough, it was only a short time later, a few years, Rabbi Hanina already uh, arose to the status of being able to teach halachot. And you see that see his, his great piety already from his young age. That's the end of the story. So we just saw within the story, there are two versions of it, uh, the first version and the Biosez version. And in the first version, um, uh, which is unnamed here, that matches with Rabbi, who says he was checking for two hairs. So that's Rabbi, who says that a father, uh, a father's vow only works if there's less than two hairs, but that not if there's more than two hairs, that's the cutoff point. So that's what he was checking for. That fits. And the Biosez here may actually very well be the Biosez, Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, who said, no, it's at 12 years old, he was checking to see if he had the competence of that 12-year-old who can make vows on his own or not. And so this does match up and we don't reject it, right? There's the two opinions here in this, uh, the two versions of the story within this Baraita, in fact, match up with Rabbi and Rabbi Yoseb, Rabbi Uda's uh, argument, as we said before. All right, so that's the conclusion there. And that's okay, that matches up because it's probably even the same exact people. Uh, now we're just going to challenge the reading because they all agree that Rabbi Hanina uh, responded with this language, if I am a minor, then I'll be a Nazir because my father made the vow. And if I am an adult, and here we're understanding minor and uh, an adult not being uh, less than 13 or more than 13, but rather for the sake of vows, um, under 12 and more than 12. So if I'm a minor and I can't make vows, then fine. If I am an adult, more than 12, then I can make my own vows and I'll be a Nazir anyway. So let's read that line according to both opinions. We'll try. This line makes sense according to Biyosebiyehuda, who said that the cutoff line is 12 years old. That's why the Bichanina says, if I'm a minor, meaning under 12, then I'll be a Nazir because my father made me a Nazir. And if I'm more than 12, then, about, then I'll be a Nazir that, because I'll make my own vow and you don't have to test me.
That's good. Ela de bida amad anchevish tese arot im gadol ani bishvil atzmi. But according to the bee who says the cutoff line is 13 years old and has two hairs, so then when the child says, if I'm gadol, which means if I'm more than 12, then I'm under my own authority. Well, that's not true. Yes, at 12, he can make his own vows, but he's actually still also under his father's uh, uh, dominion. So he should not have made the 12 the cutoff point. According to the Bihu, it says 13 is the cutoff point. So the language in the story doesn't fit. Because you're right. According to the B. He would have to explain that the story wasn't that he used that exact language of Katan and Gadol, but rather he meant uh, generally, if I have to be a Nazir because of my father's vow, whatever age that is, then I'll be it. Um, and if it's before because of my own vow, because I'm uh, old enough to make my own vow and my father is not, which would be after 13, then I'll be a, a Nazir for, my, for myself. And so you don't have to bother checking uh, whether I have two hairs or not, uh, if I'm that 13 or not. If, it's, if, if I do, then I'll be a Nazir myself. Okay, um, so that's, uh, that's how we can read the story according to both. Now, follow-up question, uh, interesting, uh, uh, regarding this cutoff line, right? Because uh, the Nazirut is a process, has a beginning, middle, and end that could be at least 30 days. So at what point exactly is it significant that the person, that the child, be under that cutoff line. Let's follow the B, Yudanasi, uh, who says, let's say it's exactly on his 13th birthday, and he also has two hairs. So if he, um, he ha- already had two hairs before the father made the vow, so the father made the vow after the kid's 13, then um, the result will be the Bichanina, would have been a Nazir because of his own vow. Because that's it. He was already, uh, he already had two hairs before the father said anything. So that's a clear case. And if the father made a vow, made made the vow for his son, um, and the son was didn't have hairs yet, and he went through the 30 days and completed the 30 days of a Nazirut and only got hairs afterwards, then it's clear that the son would be obligated because of the father's obligation, because he was a uh, under the cutoff line the entire time. The question for us is, what if he gets the two hairs in the middle of the 30 days? So when the father made the vow, there was under, didn't have 12 hairs yet. So there two hairs yet, therefore, it should apply. But when the Nizirut is over, uh, then the kid is, uh, is a full adult. And uh, so in that case, when the kid completes the Nizirut, were they obligated based on their own vow or the father's vow, right? Can the father make a vow even though the end of it will be after the cutoff point? And that's the question. Now, this question is easily answerable according to the Biosebri Biuda, who says that it's uh, the 12 is the cutoff point, that the father can no longer impose Nezirut, uh, because um, if uh, the father would impose Nezirut when the kid was under 12, meaning not yet competent, 
and then during that 30-day period will then become competent to make their own vows, that, comp that ability for a 12-year-old to make their own vows is only the Rabbanan in any case. So it would not override the father's, um, uh, the, the father's obligation, the, the vow that the father made, ob obliging the son. So that would continue no matter what. Uh, but according to the B, um, there, that cutoff point is much more significant because if uh, they, if it was, if they, if he um, was under twelve, uh, under thirteen, um, when they didn't have two sarot, when the father made it, and then by uh, by getting two hairs, now he's no longer under his father's jurisdiction. So that nizirut does not continue, and so it never end, it never started, but it never concluded. Can't bring his korbanot for that. And regarding his own ability to make a vow, that was only after he's after he's uh, uh, thirteen, and so that never started because the one that started was his father's, and he said either my father starts or my own starts. So he didn't he didn't begin, although he could have begun it because he's over twelve, but he didn't because he's it's the father's uh, that started, but the father's then stopped because that's it. Once he's an adult, the father's obligation can no longer continue. So what is that? That's the question. What would you do in such a case? He says, you're right. According to the B, this kid would be stuck. And he has no way of getting out of it until he uh, sits as a Nazir for 60 days so that he has a full term because of his father. Because maybe since it started under his father, Maybe it continues even after he has two hairs and he would have to bring for that. But maybe not. Maybe it stops because, uh, um, it, because he had, got two hairs in the middle. And in that case, he would be obligated to have, be a Nazir on his own account. Um, but he didn't, he didn't start. He can't count those days before he got the two hairs for his own. So he has to, uh, let's make the whole scenario. If his father made, made a vow that the son is going to be a Nazir 15 days before he grows two hairs. Great. He did 15 days. Now he grows two hairs. So maybe that's okay and he can continue under his father. So we'll have to do another 15 days for that. Um, and then that will complete it. But maybe not. Maybe once he's a, a full adult, then the father's nizirut uh, does not apply. And then he said, I'm going to be either or. He told it to Gamaliel. Then he would have to start his own. So then 15 days later, he has to start his own. And 60 days after the father first did, then he did 30 and 30. One way or another, he is a, a, a real obligated nazir. And only then he can bring one set of korbanot to take care of whichever vow uh, actually applied. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.